All right, today I'm joined with some wonderful Mormon missionaries, um, and I'm excited for this one especially because uh, me personally, um, I don't know much about the Mormon religion, um, and I would just, um, at least we have about an hour, right? So at least for this first hour, I just want to really um, get your take from it since you guys are practicing missionaries, right? Okay, yeah. So we have some practicing missionaries joined with us. Um, so I think this is a perfect situation for someone of your position to talk to me about the Mormon religion. Okay. Well. Um, is, is it okay if we if we start with a prayer? We're having some audio issues. Yeah. Can can you hear can now? You the last part you said. Hello. Hi. Right, we good? We can hear you. We're now good. We're good. Yes. All right. Yeah. Coronavirus has us all mixed up with all these online calls and everything. Um, but we're good now. Uh, I think so. All right. Should we start out with a prayer? Yeah, you can start out with the prayer. Yeah, yeah, great. Who would you like to pray that? Um, Elder... Lawi? 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 Lawi. Can you can you start us off, please? Our dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this day. We're grateful for this time that we have to be here on calls with Aaron and Brother Silva and the other set of missionaries. Father, we ask that you please bless us at this time that we may have thy spirit to be with us. As we discuss uh, more about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and its significance to the world. Father, we are grateful for this beautiful day that we had to witness the messages and talks that were given in general conference. We ask that you please bless the spirit that we felt during that time that may continue to abide with us throughout the rest of our day. Father, we're grateful for our families, for our friends. We ask you to please bless those that are affected by the illness, that they may receive comfort and peace. And we love thee and we pray for these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 All right, let's just start out with... Um, a hypothetical situation where you guys are doing mission work and I'm just at my house and you come to my door trying to do what you do as missionaries. What would you say to me when I open that door? I, I would probably start out with kind of a conversation, get to know you a little bit more. And seeing if they have any religious background or they have a, a faith in Christ. Starting that foundation and really trying to bring in Christ and conversation and as soon as we can Christ is is you know, the, the keystone of religion. Alright, so I'm having little trouble hearing you, but from what I got is that you would first ask me if I had just a foundation in believing in Jesus Christ, right? You try to make a try to make that relationship with you and get to know you a little bit. Okay. Um, 
sense yeah relationships are a big part of well every aspect of this um just like from the business standpoint there's networking um and you're not going to listen to someone who you don't really have a good relationship with so i totally get that first off trying to set that standard of a good relationship um okay i guess let's shift it to another hypothetical well, let's not even a hypothetical situation, just me being here, wanting to know, a, getting a deeper understanding of the Mormon faith, religion. Um, so what are, I guess, the fundamental core beliefs of Mormonism? Okay, so one of the core beliefs that we have in the Church of Jesus Christ of Mary is saying, One, God is the father of all of our spirits. And so everyone here on earth, or has ever been on earth, or will be, are all spirited children of God. The second belief is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He and God are two separate beings, but they are similar because they both have perfect bodies. Um, they both are immortal. And their purpose is for us to receive the same happiness and joy that they have right now. And the third belief is that we believe that in modern day revelation, we believe that God reaches out in love to his children here on earth and he calls prophets. And so those are just some of the fundamentals that we believe in the church. Uh, Elder, do you have any other things to mention? Um, yeah, I kind of just reiterate that um, God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost are three separate beings. And God the Father and Jesus Christ have two bodies and souls and flesh and bones. And the Holy Ghost does not have to dwell in us when we are righteous enough to have. God wants us to today, yesterday, and tomorrow. It's the same as the Can you summarize that for me? Because I didn't get all of it. So he was basically saying that we believe in God the Father um, and His Son Jesus Christ and in the Holy Ghost. And we believe that they are three separate beings. Um, God and Jesus Christ, they do have a body of flesh and bones, but the spirit doesn't. And, um, yeah, uh, that we, we believe it's called the Godhead. So. All right, let's, so the, the first thing that you said was that um, God is, 
above all and that he gives us spirit or something like that? Can you repeat that one more time? So, wait, can you repeat that one more time, Eric? What was, what was the very first, like, fundamental belief of Mormonism that you said? Oh, that God is our Father in Heaven. Okay. And that we are His children. Okay. So, okay, God is our Father in Heaven and that we are children. Okay. I. Okay, and the second one? No, it would be that God is our Father in Christ is that's what you're point. So you guys are making a pretty clear distinction between God the Father and Jesus Christ, right? And the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We don't believe in the in the Trinity. Uh, and we believe that they're all separate beings. Okay. And um, so Mormonism has kind of gotten this association with polygamy. Where does the current Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints stand on that? On, on polygamy? Yes. We do not practice polygamy. Okay. So was that just like when the church first started out, it was a thing? Or like what happened with that? through the ages like how did it was it ever associated with mormonism but how did we get that word association between mormonism and polygamy so polygamy is something that was practiced you know not only in the early stages of the church being restored back on the earth but in the early days of the prophets um all the way to the old testament we learn of different prophets and kings that um, were commanded by god to you know, marry multiple wives so that they can have offspring for the Lord, so that they can raise a righteous offspring. Um, that is just one of the things that was restored back to the earth. And that was one thing that God commanded the prophet at that time, Joseph Smith, along with other trusted members of the church to practice. Um, but since then, the church has um, done that away and we no longer practice polygamy. So you're saying that... God actually told these Mormon prophets to practice polygamy. I didn't quite get that question. What you say? So you said that God actually um, told these Mormon prophets to practice polygamy. And that's why it was done yes. in the early stages. Yeah. So we believe in modern revelation. And revelation was given to Joseph to continue to practice polygamy in the early stages of the, of the church. And uh, through even more modern revelation, it was uh, not to be practiced anymore. I, I forget which president, which, uh, yeah, doesn't doesn't really matter. But, yeah, it's not something we practice anymore. Um, but yeah, at one point we did. <laughs> okay. Um, so my question is, I guess, I, I feel like um, from what I've read in the Bible, at least, I haven't read the Book of Mormon, so I can't attest to that. But from what I've read in the Bible, I, I think it's pretty clear that God doesn't really support polygamy. I think he's very um, pro-monogamy, and, and it's pretty clear that um, he values marriage between one man and one woman very much so. So I guess my question is, why would... There's, there's, there's this kind of contradiction between... God saying one thing here, but then God kind of doing another thing here with what you're saying that God told these Mormon prophets to practice polygamy, which is something in the Bible that he does not really um, support. 
So um, your question was, why would, um, I guess, God command uh, Mormon prophets to practice polygamy, but um, previous prophets didn't? More or less, yes, but I would even say in the Bible that God kind of preaches against polygamy and um, that it's that he doesn't like it at all. So why would he tell prophets to do something that he doesn't support, is my question. Yeah. Well, just like how I was saying, um, it wasn't only just these Mormon prophets that were commanded to practice polygamy, but an um, example in Abraham. Abraham had another wife. He had uh, two different felt that two different people. He also had Jacob, who um, later on had different wives. And the reason why they had multiple wives was like how I mentioned, God commanded them to rise, to raise a righteous uh, posterity for, for him. And so without that, we wouldn't have, you know, the Israelites later on in the Bible, we wouldn't have, you know, God wouldn't have his chosen people in the sense if I'm making sense right now. Um, but of course you're right, God um, God doesn't um, accept polygamy unless he commands it. You know, God believes only in marriage between one husband and one wife. So you're right right there. Okay, another question that I have is um, if God and Jesus are separate, um, All right, if, if God and Jesus are separate, how, who, which one of those do I put my faith in? Okay, That's, that is a good question. Um, we've been talking a lot, Dave. Do you the mic on this one or try and that one? So, what? Did you guys get that question? I, we've been talking a lot, so I just was going to have you guys. So his question was, um, we believe that Jesus Christ and God are separate beings. So he asked, who should he put his faith in? Should he put his faith in God or in Jesus Christ? Mm. You know, we put our faith in both of them. But we rely fully upon the marriage of Jesus Christ. That is a scripture in the book of Mormon. And also in the Bible, right, we learn that through the grace of Jesus Christ, we become, can we be saved? And so we rely on the authority of Jesus Christ. Upon, we rely on what he did in the Garden of Gethsemane and what he did on the cross so that we may become more like him. All right, so... Have faith in both, but rely on Jesus Christ. Here's another question. If, if Jesus and God were separate, and from what I understand is that God the Father is above Jesus Christ, um, how was Jesus Christ able to do what he did if he was not fully... God and not as high as God the Father. How was he able to um, raise from the dead, um, take on the sin of this world, and just live that perfect life and do what he did? Yeah, 
No, that's a that's a great question. You know, we learn in the Bible that Jesus Christ, he is the literal son of God. You know, he was conceived of the Virgin Mary. Mary, the the spirit fell upon her and she was laughing. And so because of that, Jesus Christ is the literal son of God. He is half God, half man. And because he is half God, he is able to do all those miracles that we learn throughout the Bible. But because he's half man, he too, you know, has the same human tendencies that we all have faced or will face. And because of that, you know, he was able to perform or perform his eternal sacrifice in order for us to you know, turn to him when we make mistakes or when we have feelings of guilt or shame. You know, he knows and understands that. But it's because he's a literal son of God that he was able to do all sorts of miracles. Um, he, he wasn't just given power, but in the book of John, it teaches us that Jesus Christ himself had to grow. He had to grow grace for grace. And so just like, you know, a, a baby growing into a toddler and into, you know, a teenager and eventually an adult, you know, that's the same way that Jesus Christ had to grow. Um, but yes, to answer your question, Jesus Christ was able to do this because, you know, he's the literal son of God. Okay. I get that, but what I'm having trouble with is that um, I don't see how... So I get that Jesus, from the Mormon standpoint, is 50% God and 50% human. And what I am saying is I don't, I don't see how someone who is even 1% human and 99% God could live a flawless life I feel like you would have to be a hundred percent God to live that flawless life and therefore that Jesus was maybe a hundred percent human and a hundred percent God because the only way to live that perfect life um, to pay for our sins is to be a hundred percent God because humanity itself is just so far separated from that glory of God that um, if just not being 100% God, you wouldn't be able to live that perfect life. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to that? So I guess what I'm hearing is, you know, it's, it would be impossible, almost impossible to live a perfect life the same way that Jesus Christ did. Is that, that's what I'm hearing? So, sorry, keep going. No, no, just, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. I, I just... To summarize what I said, I don't think that, I, th- I think you would have to be, I think an individual would have to be 100% God to live a perfect life. And that even if he was 99% God and 1% human, that 1% human would inevitably make the individual fall into sin and not live that perfect life. But so, if I'm understanding what you said correctly. Uh, so, we believe Jesus Christ was able to do this, just like how we mentioned that He is the Son of God. But He did things that enabled Him to overcome, you know, uh, those temptations, or uh, in a sense, the natural man, or what we go through every day to live an imperfect life. Um, some of those things included, you know, prayer, 
fasting, we, we learned that Jesus Christ fasted for, I believe, 40 days, 40 nights um, in preparation for, you know, his role in our plan of salvation, which was to fulfill God's plan and take upon himself the sin of the world. Um, so we believe that the things that he did, he prayed, he fasted, he studied scriptures. Um, we believe that those things allow us to overcome the natural man. And we believe that those things were played a, I guess, a big factor in Jesus Christ living his sinless life. Um, but it's not saying that we, when we do those things, we'll live a sinless life. It's it's impossible for us because we're, you know, we're human. But you know, when we do those things, we will be able to overcome those those natural man uh, tendencies. We'll be able to overcome those temptations that we have. And just like how Ali Gonzalez taught, by the merits of Jesus Christ and our faith in Him, you know, after this life, you know, we will, you know, be perfect. I think you said it perfectly when you said. We can't live that sinless life because we're human. And I totally agree with that. And that's why I'm having trouble with God being only 50%. I mean, I mean Jesus only being 50% God. Um, and also 50% human. Because that I feel like that 50% human of Jesus is... It's, humanity itself is just so far separated as I said that I don't see how Jesus Christ could not have been also 100% God for him to live that perfect life because he's also human right he's also human and as you said before because we're human we can't live that perfect life and Jesus was human yet he lived that perfect life without being fully God and I I don't see how you could have um, both humanity and perfection unless you had humanity and a hundred percent perfection but what you're saying is jesus only had 50 percent perfection Okay, so you're saying it's just a testament to how powerful God actually is. It does show how powerful God is. Okay, so you're saying
he would already do it. But he had to grow and experience build along these decks, as we learn in the scriptures. He had to learn. And he set an example for us. And that's what they teach us to do. Become more like Jesus Christ. Become more perfect. We must do those things which he did. Example to love one another. Love the Lord our God. Right? The first and great commandment. Second, come to it. Love thy neighbor and thyself. And then there's some so that we can grow our attributes like Christ. Fasting, prayer. We can become more holy. Faith, hope, and charity. And can we become even holier? And that's what Christ had to do. Christ had to build. Christ had to build up. But he had godliness manifested upon himself, upon his mortal flesh, and his mortal body. And only through that godliness will he be able to do the things we cannot do, which was to suffer for us and die on the cross and be the first to overcome death. I think you said a, a lot of key words that I 100% agree with. Um, a couple are, I totally believe that um, Jesus Christ is a manifestation of God. Um, I also agree that he was sent here as an example to ourselves to properly, um, as you said, prayer, temptation. He was an example to how we should live our lives. I totally agree with that. Um, so that's why I tend to ascribe to the belief that Jesus Christ is both 100% human because he did live that life. He did feel pain and suffering. He did go through those tribulations. Um, he did feel all the human emotions that we feel today. Um, so I do believe that he was 100% human. But with that, I also believe that he was 100% God because um he was able to do what he did in living that perfect life and, and you said how okay if he was a hundred a hundred percent god how did he die well as as you um said earlier um that um god allowed polygamy. um well i think the same thing happened with jesus christ's death he he was able to die because God let him like die. He he was a, he chose to die. Um, he had no right to die. He lived that perfect life. He had no debt. He for the wages of sin are debt is death. But he had no sin, so he didn't have to pay that price of death. So he didn't have to die. Um, but he chose to die. Um, and I think that. Um, that answers the question of how, if Jesus Christ was 100% God, how did he die? I think that he chose to die. And, well, he died, but he was also risen from the dead. And how I like to view that is um, kind of an analogy I like to think of is, say, I don't know, you did some crime. You were sentenced to prison for 10 years. You go to prison for 10 years, and then you're free. You paid that price. Well, that's kind of what Jesus did for us. He paid the price that we were supposed to pay. So he took on our punishment of death. And he once, he, once that debt was paid, once he died, that debt was paid. So he was risen from the dead. Just like once a prisoner pays that price of 
jail time, he is liberated, he's free. I, I can't believe you can release. Yeah, I can't really care. Yeah. I, I mean, I got most of it. Yeah. But, like, you kept cutting off on our end. Well, Josh, what do you think of mm-hmm. that, since you heard me? <clears throat> on, on, on our as well. Very hard to hear. Um, uh, I mean, I got the analogy. I heard the analogy. Um... But I was, we were struggling to hear um, the parts before because it was, he kept cutting off. There's a little feedback. Um, so, so, I feel like knowing if Jesus was 100%, 50%, 60%, none of that nothing's like scientific with faith you know it's not a set number um jesus we believe that he was the only begotten son of god and he is the son of god and that's why he was able to um resurrect um on the third day that's why he was able to pay for all of our sins that's why he was able to do all these miracles um, because he was the Christ and the son of the son of God. And he gives us many, um, many, I wouldn't say like commandments, but he asked some things of us. Um, and here, Matthew 5, 48, I don't know. If you can read 48. Yeah, Matthew 5, 48 says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Okay. So, he asks us, what, what does he ask us? To, he asks us to be perfect, like God is perfect in heaven. And you, Aaron, right now, is that achievable for you? It is not. Then why why would he ask to do something like that I think he asked us to do that the same reason why um, a coach would ask one of his players to do something that he that coach knows that player can't do I think it, it's it's God trying to push us to do our best because if if he if he told us to do something that we could achieve, we would do it, and if we achieved it, we'd be like, okay, I'm good. But if he told us to do something that we couldn't achieve, then I think it, it's kind of a way to um, realize that, okay, I have to keep doing this until I get it right. Mm-hmm. But since we're never going to get it right, we're just going to keep doing it. And I think that's a perfect, anal- like, I think that's a good way to see Christianity as a whole because um, we're constantly having to focus ourselves on on Christianity and not to fall into our own temptations and desires that the world puts before us. And if and if we ever become satisfied with how our faith is, I think that's a very dangerous position to put yourself in because once you're satisfied, you're you're never making yourself better. And as you said before, we're trying to make ourselves more like Christ. We're trying to be more Christ-like. We're trying to sanctify ourselves, right? 
and if we ever become, but we, we're not able to reach that point. So if, if, if God asks us to do something that we can achieve, that is achievable, and we achieve that point, then we're going to, then we're going to be like, okay, I'm done. But he says this to keep us, to, to encourage us and kind of have a goal in mind so that we will continue to strive for that Christ-like um, image, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yes, right now, that, hello, no, go on. So right now that is not achievable in this life. After this life, um, we're going to have a, a very long time to be like Jesus and that is something where at this moment um, there are certain things we need to do to achieve and to be able to be like Jesus and back then Jesus he established this foundation to help others to know how to be like him and one of those things was that he built his church. Um, and I would like Elder um, or any of the elders to explain Aaron. How, what was that church? How was that church built by Jesus himself? Can we repeat that one more time, please, Brother Silva? It's okay. like your background noise coming from your end. Um, can you hear me? Slightly. It's not good. Or Elder Gonzalez, can you hear me? It's a little, little shaky. Yeah. Okay, what about now? Oh, we can hear oh, So my question, well, I told Aaron that um, Jesus, and when he was here on earth, um, he built and he had this foundation of how people were able to be like him. And in order for that to happen, he built his church on this earth. And my question was, if you guys can explain to Aaron, what did that church have? Okay. So just like how in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, I believe, it teaches us what the gospel, what the church of Jesus Christ was built upon. It was built upon... Apostles, you know, Jesus Christ called apostles, the 12 apostles, they were built on, you know, revelation. You know, they received revelation to know what they must do. And Jesus Christ provided that revelation. He provided those teachings. Um, one of them is what we refer to as the doctrine of Christ or just like five, five steps that we believe that will help us um, become better and become more Christ-like and at the end, become perfect. Um, Built upon increase of power or power of God perform sacred ordinances or that's what the church of God that Jesus Christ established you know was built upon. Yeah, and, and those those could also be referred to as works, and those steps are referred to as works, and, and that's what James is referring to when he says, 
um, in the second chapter, and it says, whereas the body without the spirit is dead, so its faith without work is dead also. And so we need faith in Jesus Christ, and that faith is the starting point. And it's after those works that, that we can, can draw closer and become a closer disciple of Jesus Christ, including following the example of baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and during to the end, like other mentioned. So, yeah, Jesus, he, his church was built upon an elder Lahi, um, explained in, in, in Ephesians. Um, which chapter and verse was that? So chapter four, um, chapter four. We can read some of it. Uh, verse eleven is what it references to what um, to the organizations that Christ called. And verse twelve tells us, you know, why we need them. So Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So what, what did the church have from that? It had teachers, pastors, evangelists, apostles. Uh, apostles. And what was the reason? To have those things, why why did he build this church? Um, for the edification of Jesus Christ. Yeah, for here it says in twelve for the perfecting of the saints. Yeah. Um, so this answers another question. Um, a lot of people refer us as Mormons, um, as you know Mormonism, but the correct term and the the correct name of the church is. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, we don't refer each other as Mormons. Um, that was just a name given by people that... It's actually kind of offensive. <laughs> but, you know, we don't, you know, we yeah. just brush it off. But the, the reason why the church is called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that, one, it is the Church of Jesus Christ. And we are living in the last days. And just like um, when Jesus had his church, um, it was to perfect the saints. And as members, um, we are trying to be like Jesus. Um, but something happened to that church um, where Jesus was crucified. His apostles were martyred. Um, and that church vanished. Um, did, did you know that? That, that church um, stopped, stopped existing? I didn't think it would, I didn't think it stopped existing totally, but I knew there was persecutions going on that okay. definitely separated the church. Okay. So I don't know, elders, if you, if you guys can explain to Aaron a little bit of the great apostasy, or if you want to have a something else okay I, we heard great apostasy uh it's kind of doing that sound thing again with your side i wonder if we tried to move both of the missionaries tried to move the, we did but it wasn't working hey oh please 
Oh. Are you unmuted? Because I, I think when someone else talks, we should mute, because I think that might be what's causing the okay. background noise. Yeah, we could hear you loud and clear. Okay, so what was the uh, question or so, topic? So, um, we talked about how the church of Jesus or the church Jesus had, you know, apostles and all that. Um, but that church, well, Jesus died. Um, his apostles were persecuted. Um, and that church um, stopped existing in this in this earth, and it came into something that was called the the Great Apostasy. Um, so I wanted you guys to explain to Aaron a little bit of what was going on during that time. Yeah. yeah. You know, in the Bible, right, we read that Christ is crucified. And if we, you know, he resurrected and he taught his, he taught his apostles even more. And he told them to go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And so that's what they did. And they went and they taught and they baptized and they were bringing people all into the fold of Christ. Into the fold of the church of Jesus Christ. And after some time, right, when we keep reading, right, little by little, they start getting killed. And many of the saints as well that were followers of Christ were being murdered all the way until all the apostles were killed and they had they had authority to act in the name of God given to them by Jesus Christ but when they were killed off where did the authority go the authority was taken off of the earth there was no one else who had it because of that we result in which apostasy is a period of spiritual darkness on the earth and we read you know in in old testament times even that god calls prophets which marks a dispensation or a point in time on the earth and many of them all of them were killed rejected and there was a little apostasy you know moses noah enoch you know, so on and so forth. Even Jesus Christ, Christ came down and they rejected and denied the teachings. And after the apostles were killed, the earth fell into another apostasy. And the earth just had a bunch of teachings of the gospel because they taught and they threw out all these things. But I like to picture it as a mirror. And you have a mirror, which represents all the teachings of Jesus Christ, true doctrines. And you throw it on the ground, and it smashes. All these pieces disperse. And all of these people, right, they were good people. They were just, they were trying to follow Christ. But because of, because the revelation was no more in that time, and because the authority to act in the name of God was taken, many people were just taking pieces little bits here and there. They're taking it and mingling with their own mind. And how far can man get without God? Not very far. And, and that's where we get all these different churches from. 
because they have a piece of true gospel. They have they have truth. We don't we don't denounce that. You know, we don't try to perse- persecute other other churches or religions because we believe that there is truth in them. But they don't have that fullness. And they don't have they don't have the true and full gospel which was on the earth at Christ's time. And so what do you what do you think about that? I think what are your thoughts on that? I think there are I think when you look at Christianity itself, as you see, there's many different um, denominations. There's Anglican, Presbyterian, Baptist. There's a bunch of um, different um, denominations that do have little differences between them. And if you just look at religion as a whole, there are definitely um, bits and pieces of Christianity in other religions. Um, So I agree with you in that other religions do have some truth to them um and i think that kind of proves christianity as truth more so that kind of these other religions came from christianity in a way um and i do believe that there are some little differences in beliefs between denominations that don't aren't fully true I like um for example um Catholicism they they have a a strong sense of um as you said in that verse in James um works or faith without works is dead um so they kind of emphasize that verse more so than a lot of other denominations and take it and they kind of take it as um you have to have um faith and the works to be um, sanctified and to be to go to heaven, whereas I kind of have the view of if you have faith, then um, those works will follow, um, rather than faith plus works equals salvation. I ascribe more to faith is equal to salvation, and then those works follow, kind of like fruit from a tree. Um, so I I I see the point of bits and pieces of churches taking it um from i guess from what i'm understanding is that you're claiming that um the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints is the full mirror is that what i'm getting yes that is correct yeah we believe that it's been restored so my question aaron now is how important would that be to you? And not now set aside the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but just in general, how important it is for you to know where is the fullness, like the full gospel? Like, is that is, is that something that you are looking for, or or are you just wanting to know about different? Um, religions or are you truly looking for something that has the fullness um so personally i um believe that i don't like to necessarily associate myself with any one denomination um because they are all different in their own way and i personally don't know what each specific denomination believes 
in their full doctrine. And that's kind of why I'm asking these questions because I don't know much about um, the Church of Latter-day Saints. I would love to learn more about it though, just for knowledge and to see if, if what I believe aligns with that. Um, but I personally believe that um, all you need is um, the Bible and that the Bible is really the only thing that I would need to find God and have salvation to live my life, how God calls me to live that life. Um, so that's kind of why I like to go to more Bible churches. Um, and if I do go to a church that it, it has to be um, biblically sound for me to attend a church. Um, if there are any contradictions with the Bible, that's where I start to have issues because I personally believe that um, we should really only focus on what the Bible has to say and like live our lives according to that. Yeah, we we still follow the Bible, but it's it's important to know what how it was uh, the church was restored, right? See, uh, I like what you were saying that you like to explore churches because you don't really have a specific denomination, right? That's right. what you're saying? Yeah. That's exactly what Joseph Smith was doing. See, Joseph Smith was confused about what religion, what church was true. And he was was looking, he was searching, and he was looking for, uh, you know, because there can't be just like, you can't be like a billion ways to God, right? Right. In the book of Ephesians, in that same chapter, chapter 4, the famous verse, it says, you know, there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Learn that, you know, Jesus Christ, he he had his true church. But just like how Elder Gonzalez and Elder Woodward and Brother Silva has been talking about, um, it was taken from the earth. Um, but we believe that, you know, through Joseph Smith, he, he was called to be a prophet. And through him, all truth was restored. Not only that truth, but that same power and authority that Jesus Christ gave to his apostles by the laying out of hands. We believe that power and authority has been restored through the prophet Joseph Smith, um, through heavenly messengers. And so we believe that Joseph Smith, he was a vital part in the restore in the restoration of this church. We, we do not believe that he created this church or he was the founder of this church but that he was simply a mouthpiece, just the same way that every other prophet in the Old Testament and New Testament have been. Okay, so you're, you're saying that Joseph Smith, God used Joseph Smith to restore the church. And I guess my question is, okay, what about that whole time period between the church not being anymore to Joseph Smith? Like, what... Why would God leave that whole long period of gap open wide? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the apostasy, the time when there was no truth or good things rejected, right? Um, sorry, one second. One way to see this is that, of course, we know that God is powerful and he's almighty. But we also believe that, you know, we have our agency, and God can't take away our agency. So the people during that time of the great apostasy, you know, we're not saying that they were bad people or that, um, you know, they, you know, they were left to themselves. But we believe that, you know, they 
God, God's purpose was to restore his church at this specific time and not, you know, during the time of the apostasy or in the dark ages. And so we believe that it was because the people weren't ready for it. Yeah. I have a good example about this I like to use. Um, say maybe you gave a four-year-old a $100 bill. Yeah. And of course, these that that child probably doesn't know the significance or the worth of that dollar uh, of that hundred dollar bill. And so maybe you know what are you gonna do with it? You're gonna probably it's probably gonna abuse it. Maybe throw it on the ground, throw it in the mud. And so, I mean, what are you gonna do? You're gonna take that hundred dollar bill away and give it to them later when you when they understand the worth yes. of that hundred dollar bill. And the same thing goes for. Um, these dispensations and apostasies that the truth was taken away or when, when it was re rejected because they weren't ready for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so as I said earlier, um, I am, I, I think it's very important to get the, the Bible right um, and to follow the right way to um jesus christ and god um and that i think there are some and, and you say that um the church of latter-day saints there aren't really any contradictions with the bible um which i just i just have some questions on like some particular verses on how would you interpret it versus how i would interpret it so one of them is um, this. So Deuteronomy six four says, um, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." Um, but you, but is, but what I'm, I guess, understanding is that. I guess the Lord is separate from Jesus Christ and separate from the Holy Spirit, right? So I guess what is what is the Holy Spirit then? So we we've established that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, fifty percent God, fifty percent human. How does the Church of Latter Day Saints view the Holy Spirit then? I understand that it's viewed as something without a body and flesh. But what is its purpose, I guess? Yeah, so we believe that the purpose of the Holy Ghost is to communicate the messages from our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ to us through that personal revelation. And, and that's why he's so crucial to be worthy and to be righteousness, to have the, have the Holy Ghost be able to dwell inside us and to be able to have that experience with, with the Holy Ghost. Okay. And if we... If we look at John, right, in the book of John, when, I believe it is, when when Jesus Christ asked his apostles, and right, whom say ye then that the world says that I am, right, or the other people, and you know, they say, you know, they give a few answers, some say Elisha, some say, you know, you're, you're, you're like Moses, and all these things, are, you're, you're a prophet. And he says, but, what's, but who say ye that I am? And you remember what Peter answers, and he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Christ replied, he said, Blessed art thou, Peter, 
for flesh has not make it known to you, but by the Spirit of my Father do you know. So the Spirit, right? The Spirit testifies of truth to our hearts. We can see, we can see Christ and his works, and we can read about it, but the Spirit enters into our hearts so that we can know that these things are true. And that's that's probably the one of the biggest things that we can do as as sons of God to have a witness by the Spirit to know if anything. Like, how do you know that the Bible is true? Okay. How do I know that the Bible is true? Well, I think Christianity or any religion is faith based. So I don't I don't a hundred percent know that it is true, but I choose to believe that is true. Um, and I choose to believe that it is true, as you said, from using the Holy Spirit in my discernment and asking God for clarity and wisdom. Um, but I guess to answer your question, I guess I don't know that it's 100% true. Um, I don't, you can never know if a religion is 100% true for sure. But I think once you put your faith in something, you are kind of choosing to say that it is 100% true. So I guess a bad answer to your question would be, uh, I don't know if it's 100% true, but I choose to believe that it is. We're in no place to say that, but um, we're just in, I mean, we're just going to say ways that go. We know that God, he's the source of all truth. And we can always receive a definite answer from him if we ask in faith. You know, in James chapter 1, verse 5, you know, it tells us that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and shall be given him. So there, James is teaching us that if we have any doubts or any concerns, we can always pray to our Heavenly Father. And towards the end of that verse, it tells us that God will hold nothing back from us, but he'll give it to us freely. But in the following verse, it says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. So if you are seeking a definite answer or seeking truth, what better way to look towards than the source of all truth, which is through God, through prayer. I totally agree with you on that. I, So as I was saying earlier with the contradictions between the Bible and certain denominations, how would you interpret, um, oh wow, this is a long verse. Well, let's, like just the John 1, um, there's the first, first couple of verses of John 1 says, in the beginning the um in in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god um so i guess and then it says all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men so i guess really the first you just need to look at verse the first verse john 1:1 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Bible, the Gospel of Scripture, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, he was in the beginning with God. So what I guess I'm saying is, and then later on it says, and the Word was made flesh, if I'm, I think. Let me see. So our interpretation of that is that Jesus Christ, one moment. Um, yeah, it's the, it was commute. Okay, start over. Now we can hear you. 
So I, I was saying that we we interpret that scripture as Jesus Christ being being the Word, and that He in the beginning was with God, and He created all things. We believe that Jesus Christ He did create the earth, and He created all things. This this takes us back to Genesis. In the book of Genesis, it teaches us that God. Not only God, but it says it references that multiple people helped create the earth and created man. When God says that, let us create man after our own image, and also when Adam and Eve partake of the fruit, and God and Jesus, God says that they become like us, they become gods. You know, that references that. You know, there were multiple people that helped create the world. Uh, it wasn't just God by himself, but we believe that Jesus Christ, along with other noble and great spirits, helped create the earth and, cre- and create all things. Okay, as you said, with um, from what I'm understanding is that um, we're going to have the same path as Jesus Christ if we put our faith in God, right? So, like, in a way, we kind of reach this point of being kind of a god? Yes. So, sorry, go ahead. Um, but in the Bible, it says, like, there is only one god, and, like, I am that god. So how can there be multiple gods when the Bible clearly says, I am the only god? Yes. So that's that's the same thing. That's kind of the same question that Jesus Christ himself received. You know, we learned that the Jews and the Pharisees, they persecuted Jesus Christ because he claimed to be the son of God. Um, I believe in John, the book of John, chapter 10, verses 30, 32, starting at 32. Right here, Jesus just finished telling um, the Jews and the Pharisees, um, claiming that he was the son of God. And out of the verses, it says, Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, Ye are God. Ye are God's. And so that that scripture um, references in the book of I believe Psalms, right? I believe in Psalms, where it is written that you know we are gods and that we have a potential to become like God um, through our works here on on earth. We believe that we are joint heirs with our Savior Jesus Christ. We believe you know just like how uh, Jesus Christ taught us, you know, He commands us to be perfect. Um, we, of course, know that we will never be perfect in this life, but through our works and our faith in Jesus Christ and by relying on his grace, you know, in the next life we'll be perfect and we'll inherit the kingdom of God and you know, his power and his glory, you know, just the same way that Jesus Christ inherited. I think, I think there, I think we will definitely join God in heaven eventually. It, um, once we die, um, but I think that label of us 
becoming gods is a little a little much and i think it is contradictory to the bible in that i mean i i feel like i mean in, in god clearly states that like there there's only one god so i don't i don't i'm not i'm having a hard time wrapping my head around us <clears throat> also becoming gods so um can we just turn around uh, i need a charge yeah yeah so god like we said there's the godhead right so heavenly father's a god yeah jesus christ is a god yeah and then the holy ghost is a god yeah so there's three gods right so that's kind of like that's more than one right yeah but and as, as i said yeah yeah right yeah so, God, when, when God says that there's only one God, um, God, he has a title that would never be taken away from him, and that's Heavenly Father. He's always, always, always going to be our Heavenly Father, and we are always going to be his children. And when you have children... Wouldn't you want them to have, if not the same things that you have, but something more? Because that's something natural of a father. And the same thing like our Heavenly Father. He wants us to be like Him, but if not more. But He's always going to be our Father. Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be another Father. He's our Heavenly Father. And um, and we get a lot of like, oh... you. You, you guys say your guys are going to be gods. We're going to be gods as his children. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that we're going to, you know, overcome him or anything. We're just going to be like him and have his kingdom um, like any other father would want a righteous child, um, you know, we to, be, to have the things that he has. Yeah, I, I understand that you're saying that when we say that, we're also going to become gods. It's not the same as like becoming like yeah. God the Father. Mm-hmm. I understand that. And I think that's why I also tend to ascribe to the belief that um, God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are in fact one God because of the fact that God has ex- explicitly said in the Bible that there is only one God. So I, I feel like it would make sense to, if he if he did say God... He told us that, look, I'm the only God. So I think that's why it would make sense why Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father are all one being because he's telling us there is only one God. But to go along with that in the Bible, there are many references referring to the Godhead as Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Ghost being three separate beings. Jesus Christ came to do the will of his Father, and if Jesus Christ was God, that wouldn't really make sense. And then in Acts, we read that Stephen saw Jesus Christ standing on the right hand of God when he was being stoned, or prior to being stoned. And then there's many references that refer to Jesus Christ doing what he did for his Father, including on the Mount of Transfiguration when God was there, chilled by a cloud, and he announced him, and whenever he announces Jesus Christ coming, That'd be like ventriloquism or whatever. Like Jesus Christ would have to like do the voice of God as He is 
So that there are there are like although the and and again like in John it says I and the Father are one, but that is one in purpose, and I believe that's misinterpretation of a lot of a lot of uh, churches believing that God is one. It, it is there one in purpose because Jesus Christ later goes to tell his apostles to be one. And he, he obviously isn't telling his apostles to join one body as he and his father are. He's telling them to be one in purpose like he and his father are. And, and it, it's more the... Uh, you, can, you can go. Yeah, I think it's... Yes, there, I think there are many verses that um, shows us the separation between God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, as you said. Stephen saw Jesus Christ at the right hand of God um, and the tr transfiguration... Um, but I think that, um, Jesus Christ in particular was, is, is, and as we've established already that he's a manifestation of God and that, um, he is, Jesus Christ is how we are able to even perceive God in human form, if that makes sense, because like in the Old Testament, um, God is, God the Father is just so holy compared to us that we can't really fathom fathom him and take him in in his pure form um and that's why like even like he he talked to Moses through a burning bush because if he like came down and talked to Moses um like physically he like Moses's physical body just wouldn't be able to handle God's glory same thing with if you didn't do um, the proper um, traditions or, sanct or the proper cleansing before you went to a certain part of the temple, you would die. And if you touched the Ark of the Covenant, you would die just because like only like it was like a certain tribe, the Levites were the only tribe even selected to do those priesthood um, obligations. Um, so I think Jesus Christ is God in a form where we can take him in and even fathom him and um but he's still god he's just in a form to where we won't die when we see him um yeah that makes sense right we right we can right? just like you said physically mortals and right? we can't really it's kind of like unbearable a little right well, like, imperfection said, can never um, understand perfection, so. It's incomprehensible. Right. And, and so, you know, with that in mind, and with also the thought in mind that God is no respecter of persons, why would he lower himself to come to us himself? But he sent his son so that we can know more of the Father. Jesus Christ is a manifestation in the flesh of how God the Father is. And Jesus Christ is loving. He is merciful. He does good. And that's what God does as well. God is loving. God is merciful. God is all-knowing. He sent Christ down, and Christ said, I do nothing except that of what I've seen of my Father. He says that. God did not do anything contrary to what the father would do and so in a way yes god came down in the sense that he sent christ to show us 
and teach us more of who he is. And that that is where we can understand of that. And um, we're kind of, conference is going to start pretty soon. But I just wanted to go along with this on, this is something that has been going on for thousands of years of, you know, the Trinity, the Godhead. And as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, um, in the year 1820, Joseph Smith was able to confirm this huge, you know, debate. Are they one? Are they, you know, separated? And because Joseph Smith, he was a 14-year-old boy and he, he had these questions he wanted to know. Because how do you build a relationship with someone that you don't know? So he decided one morning to uh, to go to this forest um, with a lot of trees, and he knelt and he prayed. Um, I don't know, elders. Do you have the the image? And Aaron, I'm gonna read um, his experience. Of what he had and if you can just um, just look at that image yeah. and try to put yourself in Joseph Smith's um, place he said I saw a pillar of light exactly over my head above the brightness of the Sun which descended gradually until it fell upon me when the light rested upon me I saw two personages whose brightness and glory defy all description. Standing above me in the air, one of them spake unto me, calling me by my name and said, pointing to the other, Joseph, this is my beloved son. Hear him. What do you think of that, Aaron? I think that, um, I think it is totally possible that Joseph Smith Smith could have, um, had, that God did talk to Joseph Smith, um, and that, um, I, that his prayers were answered. I think, I think God answers prayers all the time, um, and I think that um, there are there's just some some issues with, and I, it's not even a problem of that he was only fourteen. I'm I'm sure that God could talk to anyone if he wanted to. Um, so I don't I think that that passage is I don't have a problem with that. I think that Joseph Smith could have totally heard God's voice, and. I'm here to tell you, Aaron, that that experience did happen. I know that for myself because I myself prayed and asked God myself. And um, the last time we talked over the phone, I left you an invitation. And um, I promised to give you something that was going to help you receive an answer um, you know, to that question. Did Joseph Smith really see God the Father and His Son. And that was 
um, this book, the Book of Mormon, and it's read here. It says another testament of Jesus Christ. Um, I want to give you this book. Yeah. So you can read it. And this book leaves an invitation to everyone that comes across this book. And I would like to open it. And here is just in the introduction. It's the last paragraph. Right there it says, we invite. We invite all men everywhere to read the Book of Mormon, to ponder in their hearts the message it contains, and then to ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if the book is true. Those who pursue this course and ask in faith will gain a testimony of its truth and divinity by the power of the Holy Ghost. And then Morani 10, 3 through 5, is, mm. that's where it's from? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And... Go on. Yes. Yeah. Those who gain this divine witness from the Holy Spirit will also come to know by the same power that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that Joseph Smith is his revelator and prophet in these, late in these last days, and that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the Lord's kingdom once again established on the earth, preparatory to the second coming of the Messiah. Okay. So, we invite others to read, ponder, and, but most importantly, pray if that book is true. Mm -hmm. And if that book is true, that means Joseph Smith was a prophet. He did restore this church. If that book isn't true, then everything that we've talked about is a lie. That's how vital it is to know if this book is true. And I would... 100% tell you because I'm that confident that this book is true and I know just like you said it doesn't matter if you're 14 or however young you are God will answer your prayers because he's your father and he loves you so much and he wants you to to be with him and he will answer your prayer and we just have to read it ponder and then just pray and he will answer your prayers. Um, I don't know, elders, if you guys can, I don't know, just share a, a testimony about. Yeah, well, we do testify that the Book of Mormon is true and that in no way does it replace the Bible, but instead it works hand in hand. So the promise that you read in the introduction of the Book of Mormon, no, it is true. And not only do we testify that it is true, but millions of members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, also testify that that promise has been fulfilled in their life. And that's why they have taken that experiment to heart and pray to know if it is true. You know, the important thing to know and recognize that when you do this experiment is to recognize the Spirit and how it speaks to you. One way that we... I've been talking about how the Spirit speaks to us is through our feelings. You know, it's the reason why they call the Spirit um, the Comforter. And the Spirit will talk to us um, through our feelings. In the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22, 
No, it tells us of the fruit of the spirits and that we will receive a confirmation of truths by the fruits of the spirit. Now, if we feel love, peace, joy, and happiness, meekness, charity, if we feel those things, that's the spirit speaking to us and confirming the truth to us. And we will know it. And once we know it, just the same way that Joseph Smith knew that this was true, you know, we will never deny it. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I just wanted to echo that um, it's either true or it's not. And the only way to find out is by reading it and praying about it and, you know, actually doing the things that will find out if this thing is, is true or not. Um, I've done it. I know that um, it's true. And I know that you'll find that it's true should you uh, ask with sincere hearts, with real intent, having faith that it might be true. And uh, I know that you'll, um, you'll find that uh, God's church was restored to the earth through Prophet Joseph Smith and that um, he loves you and he wants you to come back with him. And uh, I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And Aaron, I want to want to ask you. Um, do you do you have a Facebook? By I any do chance? have a Facebook. You do? I do. Is it is it all right if maybe if maybe we got your Facebook and maybe we can yeah go can ahead talk more yeah for sure I know for sure. I would love that. Awesome. All right, of course. Maybe we can. Um, I mean. I don't know, how would we get that? <laughs> so, Aaron is, well, you guys know Bree, right? My wife. What was that? You, you know Bree, my wife? Oh, yeah. So, her her little sister, um, Aaron, is her friend. Yeah, well, now he's my friend, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, can get my, you can get my Facebook from Josh. He has it. And so, I'm actually leaving tomorrow to Florida. And Whoa! So, so yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, um. So yeah, we're actually gonna be driving. So yeah, we're not gonna be in airports. So yeah. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I really wanted you. I don't know if it's okay with you, Aaron. Yeah. Um. You guys stay in contact with Aaron. If you, you know, we always gonna be in contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, technology, but, um, most importantly. Um, there's more. There, there's a lot. More. Yeah, there, there's a lot. More. There, there's yeah. a lot. More. We, we, there's a lot more. Yeah. yeah. I would. Yeah, I'm totally willing to. I, and I want to talk more about it because there's a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and just like no, I'm saying like we we're still young young men. We're we're still studying the Bible actively, and so there are questions that we can't just like like you know totally help out. So it does help out to you know have more of a more of a conversation and to both look into the question and and sort of instead of like this like back and forth you know type of like scriptural test to be able to kind of ask a question and then both be able to study it mm-hmm. and i think that that's so key and crucial in, in learning about you know learning about anything but especially the kingdom of god yeah and to be that open mind and all and, and all that and yeah we, we just like to echo the testimonies and 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 you know, the others, other elders said that, that the Book of Mormon is true, and, and with prayer with the real intent, you know, we can all receive that, that answer and that testimony. 
Yeah. Oh, Josh has my Facebook. Josh has my Facebook, so you can find me on there. Um, Aaron Mauer, you can search me out maybe. But yeah, we can definitely connect through Facebook. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you for yeah, taking the time out of your day. It's Aaron, so A A R O N, and then Mauer, M A U R E R. Yeah. And hopefully, when all this is done, the whole pandemic, you can, you know. Can you guys do face to face, or is it only technology? It's best to do over here. Oh, okay. uh, for right now, at okay. least. So once they get confirmation to, you know, that they can meet in person, then yeah, they would love to. If not, all four of them would be right here. But um, yeah, and that they can invite you. I don't know if you've ever been to the church inside the building. I don't think I have. Okay. We, we can do a virtual tour with you <laughs> on one of our lessons. We would love to do that. So yeah, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot that... A lot more. Yeah, there's a lot more. Um, so, yeah, conference is starting right now. Is it okay if I end with a prayer, elders? Okay, I'll, I'll sit up. Uh, dear Father, we thank Thee so much for this beautiful uh, Sabbath day. Uh, we're grateful to be here with, with Your servants and that they have given us a little bit of their time to talk about thy son. And we're grateful to have Aaron here present too. And we ask thee, Father, to bless um, Aaron and his family. And please bless all those that are affected by this pandemic that they may have peace and love and comfort. And we ask thee, Father, in this moment that thy spirit can be with us as we listen to thy modern day prophets and apostles in this general conference and we um, may have any answers or any questions that we have answered and we love thee so much and we say these things in the name of thy son jesus christ amen amen all right thanks guys man thank you it's nice meeting you aaron yeah we have to keep hey, in aaron, touch <laughs> hey you guys are great all right thank you. Bye. Bye.